1: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
2: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 326 of the Linux in the Shack podcast, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And... We have the usual cast of characters tonight for our short topic episode. We have me. I'm Russ K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl W5MOO.
2: And I'm Bill NE4RD. All right. And I'm like ill, so I may not be my usual jovial self, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh (laughs) Bill's going to be his standard (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. But... Since Bill found an interesting story for our lead topic, we're going to let Bill lead with our lead topic.
3: Leading it. Yeah. So this is um, Motorola wins a $765 million over theft by Chinese radio rival. Very <sighs> scary. Yeah. Motorola Solutions, Inc. won a $764.6 million verdict after a federal jury in Chicago said Chinese rival Hightera Communications Corp stole the company's critical trade secrets for two-way radio technology. Terra pledged to appeal the jury jury awarded three hundred forty five point eight million in a compen- compensatory compensatory <laughs> <laughs> damages. Sorry, my uh, my uh, my speech isn't working yet. And uh, four hundred eighteen point eight million in punitive damages. The full amount sought af- uh, sought by Motorola. Uh, let's see here. Jurors reached their decision after deliberating two and a half hours following a trial that sprawled over three months. Motorola lawyers said they would seek an order blocking the sale of Hyterra's radios in the U.S. to stop further use of its trade secrets and copyrighted source code. The case in the latest example of an American company accused in uh, accusing a Chinese firm of luring away employees and using pilfered know-how to develop new products. The overarching goal American officials contend is to help Chinese, uh, China's efforts to transform the world's factory to an economic superpower. And that came from Bloomberg. Ooh, a another new source. Yorker
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yes. you
3: don't want to listen to on the tv all the time <laughs> but you can't avoid it almost
2: so <laughs> yeah. especially when he it owns his own channel <laughs> yeah yep that is the problem there uh very cool i mean usually what happens is these trials wind up being held in China and the Chinese government's like, uh, no, mm. even though this car looks exactly the same as that car, there's no proprietary information. here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, it's called but. an Tesla.
3: Uh, that's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, a over there, it would be called like
2: an SL four T one thirty O X. And it would look just like a Tesla, but yeah.
3: So I think they're already, uh, I mean, they've already uh, checked, Ah, uh, Hytera's already said they're going to appeal the decision, and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, we'll kind of see what happens with this. Uh, I don't know if this would affect anything specific beyond uh, just money at this point, um, but that's all the details I found.
2: Well, if they block Hytera sales, I mean, that would obviously impact Hytera as well. so well, only the offending radios, I would assume, assuming so, yes. does the story say what those are or is
3: it just i didn't see that specifically listed so and i was like i said i was trying to find these stories that are not from star uh, southgate right right. (laughs) (laughs) that is
2: our that's the way we work these days yeah so (laughs) thanks a lot southgate (laughs) all right moving on to our standard amateur radio topics for tonight uh cheryl you can probably read this first one it looks pretty straightforward
0: Let's see here. I'm sorry. I was working on a recipe. So, yeah. all right. So the next story is the FCC invites comments on 5.9 gigahertz proceeding. The FCC has invited comments on a notice of pro, excuse me, proposed rulemaking in PRM in WT docket 19-138, which said that the FCC would take a fresh and comprehensive look at the rules for the 5.9 gigahertz band. The FCC proposes to make 5.850 to 5.895 gigahertz available for unlicensed, operas- wow. unlicensed operations and to authorize transportation-related communication technologies to use 5.895 to 5.925 gigahertz. The FCC is not proposing to delete or otherwise amend the 5-centimeter secondary amateur radio allocation, at 5.650 to 5.925 gigahertz, part of which includes these 75 megahertz under consideration. Comments are due by March 6th, and reply comments are due by April 6th. Uh, AR, uh, ARRL will be filing comments supporting no change to 5.850 to 5.925 gigahertz for amateurs, as included in the FCC proposal. And this information came from ARRL.
2: All right. So I'm assuming this 5.8 to 5.925 would be used for, like, mesh networking and things like that, Wi-Fi kind of stuff.
3: Well, I mean, there's still a weak signal and uh, and everything else that goes on with that. And, you know, some satellite communications, I think they're talking about using this band for that. You know, like you have the QO 100 that uses, what, 10 gigahertz down. I forget all the uplink frequencies.
2: Yeah, those super high frequencies are really good for downlinks because you don't have to worry about the antenna height. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. we'll see we'll probably lose it but (laughs) (laughs) well they're not proposing any changes to the so we're amateurs are a secondary allocation or secondary service in that band yeah
3: which which means we're not really affected but right you never know
2: so oh well we'll see how it goes so next we have australian communications and media authority publishes amateur operation procedures uh, the ACMA have today published an information page on their website with details relating to amateur operating procedures. Topics include information regarding amateur qualifications, emission modes and emissions, spurious emission limits for amateur stations, call and reply, emergency procedures, operating signals, phonetic alphabet, testing and monitoring, and restrictions on connection to a public telecommuti- telecommunications network. Hey, we gotta all screw up, you know, we got to screw them all up. Um, that, of course comes from the ACMA so are these going to be rules or guidelines
3: it's just uh, information information
2: okay. so it, uh, I thought it as a, a nice,
3: nice little practicing. resource nice yeah. little resource of uh, stuff for especially for people doing any type of you know <clears throat> and mentoring I don't want to say Elmarine right mentoring <laughs> <laughs> I think we're still safe with using L okay marine works too um, yeah it uh, I was just kind of looking through it's really well organized kind of uh, just blueprint of all sort of ham radio information at a very high level. Um, and the page is not too bad looking either. So,
2: Oh, good. So a nice clearinghouse of information for our fellow Australian hams. Excellent. So Absolutely. moving on from our amateur radio topics, we, of course, will have some open source topics, and we do have a couple of those tonight. So Bill can tell us about an open source project called iText.
3: Yeah, happy birthday, iText. It's its 20th uh, birthday release, uh, iText 7.1.10, of course, on Lovers Day, 14th of February. It's a date which has been carved in the minds of our developers here at iText for several months now, and it's not because it's the day we want to spend with our loved ones at home. It's because that's the day that the iText library, which we are working on daily, marks its 20th birthday. Uh, February fourteenth two thousand is the day we released our first lines of code. Lots of goodies going around in this release, no particular order. We got core now has some improved memory usage, specifically if you are rendering or reading, sorry, big PDF files. So yeah, if you don't know, iText is a is a PDF library, (laughs) (laughs) and I've been using it for probably since the year 2000, <laughs> in various projects over and over again. If you have to do anything with reporting and outputs and stuff like that, it's uh, it's been a great library to use that you don't have to pay for. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, more uh, PDF update mechanisms, a better PDF A document experience, some dependency updates, and marker support for SVG. pdf to data has a uh, better table boundary detection, PDF calligraph, calligraph, cal- calligraph calligraph i don't know uh it's a much improved tie and whole hearty uh language script support and a bunch of other fun stuff there and uh, i only put it in our list here just because i've used it before and i was like oh that's something different (laughs) so uh for some reason the link would not go through our link shortener so the full link is in there i'll I'll have to test that later (laughs) okay
2: Mm, I, was I kept like, getting that.
3: a could-not-save-to-the-database error. I was like, oh, oh no. Okay. Yeah, everything else worked fine. <laughs> I was That's like, uh, Maybe it's it all was the weird. hyphens. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
2: Um, so um, is, does this allow PDF writes as well as reads?
3: Yeah. And yeah, so this know, is kind of
2: like an everything library for PDF. Do you know of any applications that use it?
3: Uh, lots of uh, lots of report output stuff that comes from websites where you know, it says, make a PDF of this page. You, okay. You'll see this kind of in use there because they have kind of uh, library bindings for various languages and stuff like that. Like we were using it in a C-sharp project, and I know that it's like a Java library or something like that originally. So it's been around for for quite a while in the space, and uh, um, I couldn't point to a specific app, but I know, like I say, I've, I've used it in several products over the years.
2: And I don't see it here, but what's it written in? Uh,
3: I don't know. It might still be in Java for the base library. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, so there's two base library cores. There's one in Java and one in .NET. Okay, cool. for everything,
2: so you should be able to use that for either or.
3: I wonder if it's .NET Core stuff now.
2: I should check that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can check that out and get back to us before yeah. you end of the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, up next, we have a project called Fresh RSS, which is a self-hosted RSS feed aggregator like Lead or ChrisFeed. It is lightweight, easy to work with powerful and customizable features. It is a multi user application with an anonymous reading mode. It supports custom tags and there's an API for mobile clients and a command line interface. Thanks to the web sub standard, formerly PubSub hubbub. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fresh RSS is able to receive instant push notifications from compatible sources such as Mastodon, Friendica wordpress blogger feed burner etc finally it supports extensions for further tuning feature requests bug reports and other contributions are welcome the best way to contribute is to an open issue on github and they say they are a friendly community they're care cool. bears <laughs> i'm going to check this out because we were actually talking about needing an rss feed aggregator for something we want to do so i'm going to check that out that's yeah very I, uh, timely.
3: I actually have it installed and have been using it because I've been trying to um, get away from using Feedly for my personal, you know, uh, feed listing and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, just to aggregate all my various news sites and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, uh, it works, but but. <laughs> but I don't see it updating quite everything as rapidly as Feedly does. And I'm not sure if that's a configuration issue or not. I know, like, all the slash dot stuff shows up real quick, so I have that as one of the aggregation points, but I have, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 other um, RSS feeds going in there. And I'm not quite getting the updates for that, so <laughs> I have to dig into it a little bit more. It was really easy to kind of get up and, and going. Um, so, yeah, I just spun up, like, a, 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 you know, a host on my uh, box, just a subdomain and just installed it there. And uh, yeah, it worked right away. So uh, uh, super easy to configure, you know, just plug it into MySQL or whatever you're using for your database. And um, yeah, it took me like probably 20, 30 minutes to get it going. So not complicated at all. All right. Very cool. But it might not work either. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's always that possibility, right? Your,
3: your yeah. mileage may vary. So uh, if you know some, uh, you know, uh, RSS aggregators that you can kind of use, a la, you know, our old days of what Google had—the Google Reader—that they they took away from us. And um, I've, you know, been kind of just using Feedly ever since. And I kind of wanted to do my own and host it myself. So, <clears throat> so I'm still looking. This is the the first one I thought would do everything, and it looked very similar, and it had a lot of nice features with themes and stuff like that that you could do, and. I almost
2: like it. <laughs> okay. All I
3: right. just want I just want all the links to show up in there, and then then I'll be happy.
2: <laughs> well, it may be just a setting where it's not refreshing the feed often enough, or something, as you already suggested. So, all right, yeah. very cool. Well, I'm going to check it out anyway and see how it compares to some of the other projects. Because, like I said, we need a feed aggregator for something we want to do, and so we're going to check that out. And are you? Uh, can you do a quick flash topic? Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs>
0: where the hell am I?
2: You're at the flash topic after pressure. I crisis. see that. Okay.
0: Yes. <laughs> so our next topic is a flash topic. It is FOSDEM 2020 talks are online. Did you miss attending FOSDEM? Well, you can still attend virtually by enjoying all the content online and WebM and MP4 formats. Some talks include the slide deck as well. And. The URL for that will be in the show notes because I don't know where this actually came from. FOSDEM.
3: Oh, it's Fosdem. Yeah, it came yeah. from the site. So. <laughs> yeah, it links right to their schedule. So it's like built into their uh, their schedule for Fostem.
2: Gotcha. All right. Cool. Cool beans. So moving on from open source, we're going to jump into Linux in the ham shack. And we do have some topics here we can talk about. The first one is AMSAT CubeSat Simulator. The CubeSat Simulator is a low-cost satellite emulator that runs on solar panels and batteries, transmits UHF radio telemetry, has a 3D-printed frame, and can be extended by additional sensors and modules. This project is sponsored by the not-for-profit Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation, AMSAT. (laughs) AMSAT. Yep, with a little uh, registered symbol and everything, so.
3: Yeah, so yeah. this is a much more complex unit um, than the next one, which is what I found. <laughs> and I started putting the notes for the original project in here first, and then I realized, oh, there's two things here, because <laughs> I'd never even seen this before. But I guess this has been around for a while, and the one I found was uh, CubeSat Simulator Lite. So this is a light version of that. So if you don't have the time or money to build a CubeSat simulator with real telemetry, you can build a CubeSat simulator light. Actually, if you have a Raspberry Pi, any model, there's nothing to build. You just need to download some software and install the, install an antenna on one of the GPIO pins and you receive simulated telemetry on any FM radio.
1: <clears throat>
3: so you can check that out as well. The links to that source is in the show notes if you want to play around with it. And, uh, obviously the, the, the big project kind of looks interesting as well, and they have all the documentation and software for that as well.
2: All right, very cool. So if you're into the satellite work, that sounds like it'd be a neat project to try out. Plus, you know, with the low barrier of entry with a you know GPIO-based antenna on a Raspberry Pi, uh, nothing to it. So we have one more topic in Linux in the Hamshack, and that's a, I put it as a flash topic. It may turn out to be a little longer than that, but uh, I wanted to mention that back on, I think it was February 11th, uh, based on the release number, <laughs> uh, Grid Tracker was released 120.0211, and this has a ton of updates. I kind of shortened this list a little bit, but of course the change log in the app will have all of the things that are new. Uh, but there's some pretty big features here that have been changed, added, or deleted. Uh, the first is support for multiple instances of WSJTX and JTDX. So if you have three rigs running, um, all running WSJTX on different bands, then Grid Tracker can track them all at once, which is kind of cool. Um, Nine additional map styles, and I put in here to try NASA's City Lights, which is an awesome map la- layer if you're looking at the United States or the rest of the world. Um, not super practical, but cool to look at. <coughs> uh, <laughs> script status display and hotkey enable disable for call- callable roster scripts. So if you've been doing any callable roster work and you have a script written like I have that will alert you in some way to uh, hits, um, like I have it sent to my phone via sms um there's now a hotkey the hyphen which allows you to enable and disable that script without having to remove it from the directory uh that was a feature i asked for and after much bitching from tag he put it in so <laughs> uh no just kidding he was, he was very amenable um <laughs> Then there's uh, the ability to enable and disable CQ highlighting. That's where, if um, you're looking at the map and somebody is calling like CQNA, uh, the entirety of North America gets highlighted. Uh, you can turn that behavior off if you so desire. Uh, a new hotkey uh, zero has been added, which I think is kind of cool. It overlays Nexrad weather on top of your map display. So that's cool. So you can have your grids and your worked all states and the weather all at the same time. Um, huh? Ooh, shiny, shiny. (laughs) shiny. Speaking of, (laughs) speaking of shiny, uh, the next thing is one by one call sign shimmer. He used some JavaScript code to create a, uh, shimmering effect on one by one call signs to draw your attention to such. So there you go. Uh, he removed from grid tracker, the enable TX and halt TX buttons, because when you have multiple instances of WSJTX running, uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense, and no one was really using it anyway, so he took it out. Uh, there's also uh, the decode traffic waterfall is now showing dec- only decodes which fire an audio or custom alert and system messages, unless you disable that. Uh, the, the What he calls a decode traffic waterfall is the, the text that scrolls down underneath the buttons on the right-hand side. Hmm. Uh, he removed grids, LCD, clear paths, and clear all from mini stats in the right panel to reclaim some space in the app. He altered fix fit map to QRZ to, so when you zoom into a QRZ, that's a toggle you can, uh, set its borders are more sensible. It's kind of a cool feature. It does require some, uh, 3d rendering. So if you have a slow computer, do not select that option. (laughs) And uh, many other fixes and additions. Uh, Check, of course, the in-app changelog for more information. There's lots of stuff in there. Is it like
3: a a 2-gig download now?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how big it is. I just downloaded it.
3: No, I don't think it's that big.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He has been moving things, too. It's not like he's just adding, so...
0: Yeah, he's going to get to the point where he's going to remove you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> every, like, hey, I want
0: this. Hey, I want that.
2: Yeah. I'm not that bad. And every feature I've requested, he's implemented. So,
0: Just to shut you up. <laughs> Probably, but <laughs>
2: I, I bet I'm not the only one. So. so anyway, let's move on. So we're actually down to the end of our topics for tonight. So before we get to the social media roundup, we can recognize the folks who are with us in the chat room tonight. Um, what I have so far is Tom, N-4-H-A-I, Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, and Naylor, and I don't know if we have a name for Naylor, but I believe his call sign, if I remember seeing that correctly from yesterday, is Kilo-8 Tango Uniform X-Ray, K okay, 8-T-U-X, so. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and uh, we know Don's in class so he's not here tonight but we, had, we must mention don so yeah. yeah all right with that we are down to the bottom unless somebody like waves our hand we'll we'll uh, make sure we get to you if you're in the chat room and haven't made yourself otherwise known at this point but it's time for the social media roundup and we'll go ahead and let cheryl take care of that for us
0: all right so this time for patreons we have richard gordon andy webster cubicle nate darren king david jakeway Donald Gover, Douglas Redder, Erno Costales, Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Saner, Stephen Harp, and William Heckelman. <gasps> okay. <laughs> For subscriptions, we have Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdack, Alan Wilson, Ronald Icke, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella. Jim McKenzie, Charlie Brown, Dylan Angle, Johnny Kenzie, Robert Yerke, Bill Pioter, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, th- uh, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jobling. On Facebook, we had Cody Milton and Rand- uh, Rodolfo Silvia Uh On Twitter, we had at... S and deep underscore pandy three at mole signal at Frank Riley one at Hoshnashi hi Josh uh, at Trenchcock at San Jeroman at W I K E S no. or W one K S excuse me no and at Castroy at at a Castroy on YouTube we had Keith Jenkins Ty Williams John or Jim Smith. Dave Scarf and Fetch872, not scratch that at thing. Uh, mailing list is Glermo HK4KM, Rex WD0AJG, and Lynn KB3FN, and there were no merchandise sales this time.
2: All right, fantastic. That means we have come down to the very end of our topics and our social media roundup for this, our Linux in the Ham Shack Episode 326. So we want to make sure that you're aware of the hamvention campaign. It's at url.bcts.com. I don't know. No, bcts.info. Jeez, I can't even remember our own right. URLs. <laughs> url.bcts.info slash HV 2020. Or you can just go to GoFundMe and search for Linux in the ham shack. You can find it that way. Links, of course, are all over the place in the chat on Facebook, on twitter email so on and so forth so any little bit will help so please donate if you can and either way please share it everywhere you know how we would appreciate it and we look forward to seeing everybody out in xenia in may and nailer fixed his uh, tag so his name is chris and his okay. call sign is that chris, chris cool <laughs> okay, a-t-u-x there we go <laughs> not necessary you could have just said his name was chris that's fine um All right, very cool. So we're down to the end. This has been episode number 326 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
2: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
1: For listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page